Good evening. It is good to be here. What a difference a week makes. Last Wednesday, the weather was just not very pleasant, and today was very opposite. It's very beautiful. Uh, Summer-like in the middle of January, which is quite unusual. Well, as Leon announced the topic tonight, which was assigned to me as challenges and opportunities for conservative Mennonites in today's society. And uh, the only good I could see in this topic as I looked at the title and started thinking about it was that the devotional leader will probably not take my text from me because I don't know where. I I wasn't sure for a long time where I was going to go with this. But there's, there's just so many directions you could go in. And I think I have to share this message like seven times. And tonight's the first time. So I hope to get done about five minutes before 8.30. If not, I want you all to share, uh, to give me all your input so I can build on this message and, and do it right for the, for the next people I share it with. But I, I did find it really challenging just thinking about it. I was blessed thinking about a lot of things, but at the same time, like I said, there's so many directions you could go in. Just thinking about challenges and opportunities and I'm sure this is something that you can all relate to. When I, I look back over my life and I think of, of all the wonderful opportunities that I have had in life, every one of them came with a lot of challenges. So challenges are like married to opportunities. You have, we have opportunities, whether it's with our employment or we're an employer or you can, uh, we, you can own a business, you can be a, you can be a missionary, You can uh, be a single person, a married person. You can be in the midst of parenting. And all those things are a great opportunity. But, Leon, you moved to Grenada. Did any challenges follow you down there? What an opportunity. Go serve in Grenada for three years. Guess what? Ray went to Cherry Creek. You get there, and it is. It's a great opportunity, and it's a blessing to serve. But... The challenges are there waiting on us. And that's, in an essence, that's, that's how life is. The challenges are very real. And we can, we can choose to handle them to the best of our ability. Or if we allow it, we can allow them to overwhelm us. And we can drown in them because we, we didn't know what to do with, with all the, the challenges that we faced. And I, I think back to when... When I put a, put a UV printer in and we started printing all our plaques and I was in the shop many an hour trying to figure that machine out and the, the challenges that, that came with it were just incredible and trying to get the colors right and just a, sometimes people talk about a learning curve. I had a real learning curve, lots of challenges, but have never regretted uh, beginning to use the, the printer. And so... Opportunities always come with challenges. I mean, you think of, uh, think of our lives and think of, of our spiritual lives. Uh, we, we are little Christs. We're Christians. And so so I, have, I had to think back to Jesus and think about the great opportunity that the Father presented to him. Go down to earth and redeem mankind. What an opportunity. Fallen mankind in desperate need of a Savior. And Jesus comes and, uh, and redeems mankind. He, he sees the opportunity, but the New Testament from begin, beginning to end is full of the challenges that Jesus faced. 
as he implemented and as he carried out this great opportunity that was, that was presented to him. And so uh, those of us who are, are born-again believers, we have an opportunity like no other. There's no other opportunity in the world comes close to the opportunity that we have and that we seized upon to be born into God's kingdom. But along with that comes a unique set of, of challenges. And being a conservative Mennonite in today's society certainly has its challenges. When you think of the word society, simply means uh, society is characterized by patterns of relationships between individuals who share a distinctive culture. So the world in which we live, we, we're experiencing a culture of eastern Pennsylvania and uh, the, the society in which we find ourselves as conservative Mennonites. The challenges and the opportunities that that presents to us is what we want to think about this evening. I, I want to first think a little bit about a proper understanding of this opportunity that we have uh, when, and any opportunities like this, but I, I believe it's really important when, it, when we have an opportunity, we, we, we decide what we're going to do with this opportunity. The Bible, very familiar verse in the Bible, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. So maybe on Saturday you have an opportunity to clean out the basement or clean up the garage or whatever it is. And the opportunity's there, but until you really develop a vision and you develop the, the I'm going to do it, uh, it's not going to happen by itself. And so that is so important with, with an opportunity is to, is to have a goal, to have a vision for the opportunity that's been presented to us. And I believe that our salvation is the exact same way. We're born again. We have this marvelous opportunity. But for us to be successful and to successfully uh, handle the challenges that come with it, we're going to have to be determined. We're going to have to have a goal, have a vision, and have a desire to succeed. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let that verse sink in. Jesus had this great opportunity set before him, and where, where, was, where were his eyes at? For the joy that was set before him. And so he came and, and he, he served faithfully. He lived his life faithfully. He experienced all the challenges that he was presented with. He, uh, he went and experienced all of them, lived a sinless life, and constantly had that because the joy that was set before him, he stayed on the cross. And that joy that was, that was set before him is so important. And I believe likewise for you and I, so important that we have a vision that we have set before us. What is that vision in a, in a nutshell? What's, what's, what's important to you and me in our, in our spiritual lives? I believe it's just to keep it simple. It's twofold. Uh, number one, to enter into the joy of the Lord, to live a life, life of faithfulness, to enter into the joy of the Lord. There's a lot of people giving up. There's a lot of people turning back. And uh, we, we need to have a vision. We have to have a goal that that's not, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. 
I'm going to live a faithful life. And secondly is uh, an open door to win others into the kingdom. We're thinking about the opportunity that is ours. Live a faithful life and win others into the kingdom. Revelation 3.8 to the letter to the church at Philadelphia. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. And so we read through the New Testament and it's just clear in various places that there's an open door that we have as believers to win others into the kingdom. And so my desire is to live a faithful life, to win others into the kingdom whenever possible, and to, to expand the kingdom of God. That's not, not very complicated. It's simply two things. And if there are other things I should be thinking about, help me out. But when we think about the vision that we should have for this opportunity that God has presented us with, and after we've experienced the new birth. So our personal and our collective vision as the body of Christ should be to stay biblical sound, to be vibrant, to become more Christ-like, allowing God to use us, thus enticing other people into the kingdom of God. We need to be on offense and also on defense. They're equally important we need to be holding our ground, we need to be protecting what we have, and we need to be pushing out and pressing, pressing forward and uh, inviting other people into the kingdom. When I, when I think of, of the opportunities that we have, I, we often think of, of mission work, and that's certainly a, a, a great part of it. But when I looked on Sunday morning, there was, if I count it correctly, there was 40 children sitting up front here and a lot of other children on mother's laps that didn't come up front. So what, At least, probably safely to say 50 children in church Sunday morning and uh, all those children, right like you and I, were born with a sinful nat nature and they are a mission field. They are, uh, God has placed them into your lives as parents, our lives as a congregation, and they are, they have souls, and, and it's very important that, that we have a, that we have a setting that is, is uh, conducive for them to be uh, born into the kingdom of God, and that they're taught, and along with that, we have young people, we have a youth group, we have a lot of young married people here at Myerstown, and they certainly are all part of, of a uh, of that mission endeavor, well, we have to be uh, pressing forward on and, and, and thinking about and making sure that their spiritual needs are met. Let's go to John chapter 17. And if somebody could get me a glass of water, I am going to dry up here in about five minutes. Thank you. Uh, John chapter 17 is the portion of scripture that I've been thinking about for this message. And it's, it's the high priestly prayer, and as I, as I read this, I want you to be thinking about our opportunities and challenges that we have, uh, both opportunities and challenges, and, and as I read through this, I, there's just so many that you could pick out, but there's uh, a number that we want to look at this evening. John chapter 17, let me start reading at verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. 
And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst set me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Thank you, Leon. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, but that thou also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and, have, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. A few points I want to draw from this scripture, and then make some practical observations. The first thing I want to do is paint a picture for all of us of conservative Anabaptists. I probably would have chosen a different title. Uh, I probably would have chosen a title, Challenges and Opportunities for Biblical uh, Christians or something like that, other than Conservative Mennonites. Uh, but there's, we, we, that's who we are, and, and we, we're often labeled that way, and that's okay. But at the same time, there's, uh, sad to say, there are a number of people and lots of people that appear to be Conservative Mennonites that really don't fit, fit the biblical description of a biblical Christian. And so I just want to point out what the Bible has to say. In this portion of scripture, it's very clear what a biblical Christian looks like. And if that's what we are, which I trust we are, 
and, and we're a conservative Mennonite, that's fine. It fits together. But not everybody that goes by the label of conservative Mennonite would fit this. And there's also other people that would fit the description that the Bible lays out. And the first thing we want to notice is eternal life, which is explained in very simple terms as, as a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in verse 3 and in verse 9. Uh, verse 3, and this is life eternal, that thou mightest know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. In verse 9, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. See, get the, catch the personal relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And then in verses 6, verse 8, verse 17, I'm not going to read all those verses for the sake of time, but this portion of scripture makes it so clear that we are people of the word, that we follow the scriptures. We're people of the word. We, what the Bible says is what, is what we do. It's, what, it's the way we live. We are students of the word and we practice the word of God. And so that's the second thing that is brought out uh, very clear in this portion of scripture. Now, stay with me. It gets a little more complicated. The next thing that's very clear in this portion of scripture is that we are unified. You read through this, and we, I read through it, but I know how it is when you're reading through it, especially at 8 o'clock at night. It's, uh, it's like, yeah. But in, in this portion of scripture, meditate on it sometime. Uh, it, it's brought out at least in three different verses and probably more where it just really is a lot of emphasis on the fact that we, as God's children, are unified. Do you know one of the biggest blessings that I've had in my Christian life is, uh, was serving on the Olive Branch Board and being in Grenada, Nicaragua, and Cherry Creek, and working with people from various denominations. What a blessing. Uh, people that love the Lord. People from Canada. People from uh, out west. People from, and uh, go to different churches, different, uh, different church affiliations. But they were born again believers that were following the word of God. And they were, and because of that, we were, there's a sense of, of unity there. We are one in Jesus now, hold on to that. That's really, really important. That, uh, and it, it's brought out in the scripture. That's how the world knows that we're God's children. They see the unity that we have. And the next one is they see the love that we have. Verse 26 makes that very clear. So a, a biblical Christian, uh, a conservative Mennonite, is, is all of these things. We are unified. We are loving Verse 13, we are joyful. Verses 10 and 22, and I, I studied those verses for quite a bit, trying to get a, a, a grasp on them. It says that the glory that God has shines through us. We are glorified in a sense because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then lastly, in verse 14, because of all these things, it says what? The world hates us. Is that a picture of your life tonight? Is that a picture of my life? I'm experiencing a relationship with Jesus. Uh, I am uh, 
I'm a person of the word. I follow the word. I'm experiencing unity with the church of God. I'm, I'm a loving person. I'm joyful. I'm, I'm glorified. God's glory is shining through me. And the world hates me. Or the world system hates me. That's the biblical description of a believer. And so tonight we're thinking about the challenges and the opportunities that a person like that, or a conservative Mennonite, as the, as the message title is, is titled, uh, the challenges and opportunities that we have because of our relationship with God. Back to just a little bit on, on unity. Uh, you know, there's, there's so, many, so many problems in... in uh, among church groups and, and churches themselves and what have you and, and uh, divisions and, and so many things that, are, that sometimes are, are legitimate because it's, something is not biblical anymore and, and there's a time and a place for that. But sometimes some of them are very nitpicky and, and, and probably, don't, probably God does not... Uh, Take a, receive a lot of glory because of, of some of the mistakes that were made already and among Anabaptists and among conservative Mennonites. And it's not supposed to be that way. It is not supposed to be that way. God does not want it to be that way. That's not his desire. On New Year's Day, Marion and I kept a, uh, I guess this is the second year, or it's, it's developing into a tradition but our, our children aren't at home anymore, and it's New Year's Day, and, and so we go, uh, so to make pork and sauerkraut for two people is pretty much, so we go down to the night and day diner across from the Lancaster Airport, because they're open, and they have really good pork and sauerkraut, and they have, their servings are that big that we just order one serving and we share it, because they're huge, it's just a lot of, a lot of food. Some Greeks own it, and they do a pretty good job, and it's, it's usually very packed out, and, but they have good food. But as we sat down and we're eating our pork and sauerkraut table uh, not far from us, there was two elderly couples sitting there, very obviously conservative Mennonites. And I looked at them, and I'm like, I don't know these people. I don't know who they are. But they were close enough that I could overhear their conversation just a bit, not much. But they were having fun with each other, and, and they, as, as, uh, they were just enjoying their meal, their time out. And when they left, they had to walk past our table. They were finished before we were. And they stopped, and they said, we, I just can't. We have to know who you guys are. We're also conservative Mennonites. It's, it's on display. They could tell by looking at us. And... Uh, it was obvious to me, you know, those of us who are Mennonites, we, have, we can tell the degrees and where somebody probably fits and what have you. And my guess was probably Eastern or Pilgrim, maybe Hope Fellowship, I don't know. But anyways, they stopped. And, uh, and he says, who are you? And I introduced myself. And then he told me who he was. And here, I knew this guy really good. He put my milking system in the barn when I, when I was, had the dairy farm uh, many, many years ago. Lester Ball, and he had the surge dealership at Brickerville, and I just didn't see him for that long. He didn't recognize me, and I didn't recognize him. Anyways, we had this really nice conversation. He was so sweet, and he says to me, I'm so glad I stopped, so glad I got to talk to you, and just, just felt this fellowship. This, this, it was just beautiful. 
And that's what God wants. That's the way God wants it to be. That uh, we're experiencing uh, unity. And that is, I believe, God receives a lot of, of glory from that. One of the other things I, I've been noticing, and uh, I'm 60 years old and live in this same area for all my life, and this, I'm amazed at this many times, and I just have to mention this, and that, that is that our numbers are rapidly increasing. It's incredible. I've, I've lived here all my life, and there's just more Mennonites and brethren and Amish in this area then it's, it's almost unbelievable. I often think of the verse in Exodus, the children of Israel, it says, they were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them. Sometimes I pull out the 501, I want to make a left-hand turn and I have to sit there and it's like, Mennonite, 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 Mennonite. Another one, another one. And you're driving up the road and they're coming at you. And I live, uh, there's... If you go out to the end of Gibble Road, there's a development up there, Hillcrest Heights and Julietta, or Julietta Heights and Hillcrest View, I guess. And uh, I remember when I was a child, those developments were new. There wasn't a Mennonite family in any one of them. I used to ride through there with my bicycle, and there's no Mennonites lived in developments, no Mennonites lived in Myerstown that I'm aware of. And today, there's Mennonites in those developments, there's Mennonites in Myerstown, there's Mennonites in Lebanon, and they're everywhere. And so our numbers have really increased, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. That's, a, that's an opportunity. There's more of us, and the more we have, the more we can, we can get done. But it also creates a challenge. And Zachary, uh, on Sunday morning, told you how we're, in the, we're endeavoring to start a new school. There's that many children, they're not fitting into the Christian schools. And so there's challenges involved with it. But we need to meet those challenges and rise to the occasion and make room in, in our churches and our schools for, for the amount of people that we have. So let's look at it as an opportunity. Be blessed by it and be wise as we handle the challenges. The opportunity that we have as a Conservative Mennonites is spelled out in John 17, I believe, uh, very, very clearly. In verse 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I said that uh, our vision needs to be to stay true to God, to be sanctified by, by Christ, to, to, uh, to, not be, to not find ourselves in a, in a bad place in our spiritual life, but to stay true to him so that we can hear those words, uh, well done, my, thy faith, my faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And then in verse 18, the very next verse, it says in the end of the verse, even so have I also sent them into the world. And so we are to experience sanctification and we're to be missionaries. I believe that uh, our opportunity is, is like, I, I picture it this way, we're living under an umbrella. And there's some things that, that we are very important and we need to uh, experience as we live under this umbrella. This opportunity that we have is like an umbrella. And the first one is, is that, and this is as we, 
as we impact the, the society in which we live. And the first one is our very presence. In 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 and 15, it tells us that we as believers are a sweet savor of Christ to those that live and uh, to, to people that are, are not born again. We are, I forget how it says it, the instrument of death, not the, but something to the effect that we are the stench of death to them. And so our very presence is, an, uh, is a great opportunity. As you and I live in, in this society and as we move about, we are affecting others. And other people are, are constantly observing us and, uh, and, and trying to figure out who we are, what makes us tick, and, and so forth. And so our very presence is an opportunity. Another great opportunity is our families, especially those of you who have, who have children. How many times have you heard the comment, you're out in the public and people make comments like, wow, what, your children, what's up with your children? They actually, I mean, they, they're somewhat obedient. They're, uh, you know, it's amazing. And it, it's unusual. And they notice it and they see it. And they, they, they observe that and they, they recognize that there is something different here. And if, if you don't believe that, go to Walmart and walk around and you will soon discover that that is not the norm. That's not the society in which we live. And I don't do it near often enough, but I see families here at church and families other uh, different places that I just want to compliment on the way you're raising your children because if you discipline your children, it's so obvious. It's, yeah, they're not perfect. You're still going to be chasing them around occasionally, but it's evident. Something is different. And so the, our society notices that. And that is, a, is an opportunity that we have. Our occupation, if, if you have a job or you, you work somewhere, is a real opportunity to, uh, to further the kingdom and to... Uh, to share with people about Jesus. Our schools, uh, Christian schools, are, are uh, in my opinion, a great idea and a wonderful place for children to be taught the Bible. And, and uh, just a, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing that I never had the blessing of going to a Christian school, but I see the value in it, tremendous value in, some, in children attending a Christian school and having Christian teachers and learning the, the scripture day after day in, by, in, in school and, and just a, a wonderful blessing. And then also in, in church life, we come to church Sundays, we come to church Wednesday nights, and it's an opportunity to teach. It's an opportunity for us to grow deeper in our relationship with God. It's an opportunity to, to bless others, and it's, it's an opportunity to, to reach out to others it's very rare that we, have a, that we have a worship service here on a Sunday morning that there's not visitors among us. And uh, there's, it's probably safe to say there's always needs among us and could likely be needs among the visitors that are. And so there's ministry opportunities right here. You don't need to go, don't need to go away from home to find ministry opportunities. And so the opportunities are here. And... This umbrella of opportunities that we find ourselves under is big enough and it's dry enough and it's large enough to invite others in. And that's the idea 
of, of inviting other people in to experience what we are experiencing. Now, I'd like to think about the, some of the challenges that go with the opportunities that we have. And I believe, and I'm speaking for myself here personally, think about my biggest challenge. I believe uh, the biggest challenge that I face is maintaining a good vision, keeping, keeping a proper perspective and, and having, a, having that, that vision of, of wanting to finish faithfully and wanting to reach uh, others for, for Christ. Keeping and holding on to that vision because without that vision, like I said, our challenges will simply overwhelm us. What do these challenges look like? In, uh, again, from John 17, uh, a number of things that we read in here, and we don't have time to, to look at them closely, but I believe that, that, that some of the challenges that we all face, uh, and probably one of the most important ones, is our personal sanctification journey and maintaining uh, a level of moral purity before God that God finds pleasing being sanctified. It's God's will that, that we are drawn closer and closer to him, that we become more Christ-like, and that we remain pure is, is our, our sanctification journey that each one of us finds, finds ourselves on. And it's a challenge because the world and Satan especially is intent on destroying us personally. He doesn't necessarily come to the church and try to destroy that. She comes to us one at a time and tries to destroy us. And so where the battle really rages for me is, is in my personal relationship with God. And uh, that's where Satan comes and, and tries to destroy us. We need to keep ourselves separated from the world and unto God, which the book of Romans, Romans makes so clear that we need to be separated from the world, separated unto God. And that, that's a challenge. It's a challenge for conservative Mennonites. I seen a girl today, a young girl, I, I would guess her to be in her early 20s, that in the last year, a, a year ago, she looked like a conservative Mennonite, and today she did not anymore. And so it's like she threw in the towel, or she decided it's not worth it. I don't know. But it's so sad to see that. But the, Satan is intent on destroying us. And it's one of the biggest challenges we face, brothers and sisters, is to keep ourselves separated from the world and unto God. The world, did you ever think of it this way? The world wants to hug us. Wants to hug us. The world just wants to love us. It's what the world wants to do. And if we refuse that, if we refuse, if we don't allow the world to hug us, then it's going to hate us. And so the, the choice is ours. And, and on a daily basis, we're, we're confronted with that. Are we going to allow the world, are we going to allow this society to hug us and, and have a relationship with this society we live in? Or are we going to refuse it and then we will experience the hatred of the world. Some of the other big challenges that I believe we face are materialism. 
It's a challenge. It's a challenge for conservative Mennonites. Materialism is a real challenge. If you read history and you study history, uh, the Russian Mennonites many years ago, and I don't have the, I don't have the years uh, anymore in my memory, but I remember uh, studying about the Russian Mennonites, and it was so sad. Mater they just got so wealthy, and uh, persecution came, and they just, so many of them just threw it all away. They, they held on to their mater materialism and their material things rather than stay faithful to God. And so materialism is a real challenge, but it can also be a real blessing. See, material, our material things come from God. And the way you tell if, material, if, if you're materialistic or not, uh, it's really easy. Is it easy for me to just give it back to God? Can I just give it back? Is it, can I give it back joyfully? That's the way you tell if material things have a, have a handle on your life or not. And so I believe it's just a real danger. And uh, materialism just tends to get a person in its grip. And so let's be careful and let's, not, uh, let's be faithful with the challenge that materialism brings to us and let's turn it into a, make sure that it's a blessing and does not become a snare. And there's many more. Another one I thought of was, is simply, and I simply put it this way, Hollywood, entertainment, the whole entertainment industry, uh, films, movies, you name it. It's just a snare to so many people. Just makes me sick when I, when I, uh, when I hear of people spending a lot of time watching ridiculous movies that have no spiritual value whatsoever and uh, it's just it certainly is not pleasing to God and they are addictive and people start watching them and they just get caught up in it and that that's actually uh, that is what our society does but God's children uh, are different and it's a challenge that we face to keep ourselves away from that those are some of the personal things I thought of. I want to talk now a little bit about the body of Christ, the church, and uh, what, what the, some of the challenges that we experience. One of the challenges that we experience as a church is to remain biblical, to, to, to stay, uh, to understand what the Bible says and to apply it to our lives, apply it to our, the way we live our life, the way, the way our church guidelines are wrote up and, and, and what, we, what we practice, that it's really biblical, that, it's, that we're not simply caught up in tradition, but that we're following the Bible, that we are biblical as the body of Christ. Another one I thought of was is just simply friendliness, so important. Uh, like Brother Harlan Sell, he was just as, he was, when he attended here, yep, he was just so friendly, and he talked about it a lot, being friendly. And I remember him talking about a church they visited where, listen, they didn't even shake my hand, you know. No, they weren't friendly. It's important. We need to be friendly uh, to each other and to not only in church, but it's really important in church. As a body, we need to be biblical. We need to be friendly. We need to be clean. It's important. Uh, we're... we're letting a testimony everywhere we go. And so it's important, especially when we're in public, that we are presentable and, uh, and people get a, get a picture of us as conservative Mennonites as being uh, a clean people and people that uh, 
take care of ourselves and, and dress neatly. We also need to be helpful. Uh, very important that we, that we help others in, in, in need and we're just simply, maybe the word courtesy comes in here. We need to be courteous to one another and courteous to those people that, that we meet. I was really fooled here uh, last summer. I had a, a number of packages to mail and I went to the post office, which I do quite often or did quite often last summer. And, uh, and sometimes you come, you, you're always, how many do I take? I have to open the door. And I was blessed many times by people, see you have your arms full of packages and they're like, oh, I'll get the door for you and thank you so much. And, one, and sometimes people don't do that and uh, that's okay. But uh, one time there's a conservative, either Mennonite or brethren lady, and I'm like, I don't know who she was, but I'm like, well, this time the door, I, I got this one. I can load my arms up with packages because she'll hold the door for me. She left it slam in my face. She didn't hold it for me. Not good. Not letting a good testimony. Let's be courteous. Let's be friendly. Let's see what, uh, where we can help somebody else. Let's be cheerful. And let's let the joy flow out of our lives like Jesus describes here in John chapter 17. Let's also be actively involved in, in mission opportunities, personally and also with, with our finances. And I'm blessed at Myerstown with how many people have been over the years and continue to be serving in the mission field. It's a blessing and it, it just warms my heart to see us being willing to, to serve in that way. It's very, very important. It's also very important, and it's not only foreign missions that are important, I mentioned this before, but our own church services are very important. And I'm blessed when a young man gets up and teaches Sunday school, and it's obvious that he did a good job of preparing and we have a good, interesting lesson and that happens to me many times, and I'm blessed by that. And it, so it's important that there's time spent. It's important that our song leader spends time selecting the songs and is, is involved in it. It's important for all of us that come to church that we've, that we've bathed the service in prayer, uh, the teaching and the preaching of the word, and that we're ready to exhort and encourage one another and that we're ready to worship so that each one of us goes away experiencing, having experienced the presence of God. It's just amazing to come to church and to go home just blessed and to know that so many people had a part in that, making it happen in, in, in the worship that we experienced. Not unorderly, not casual necessarily, not... Uh, but that we come prepared, but neither should we be stale and without variety. The other Sunday, and I, I did bless Brother Zachary for this, our little Christmas program. I loved it. Something different. A little variety on a Sunday morning. It's beautiful to see that happen. And uh, the old saying is, variety is the spice of life. So we want order. We want things to be done right properly in a way that pleases God but it's good to have variety from time to time it, it's it's very good so our teaching and our worship should be planned it should be inspirational and also very practical 
Our teaching and preaching should major on truth and minor on society's way. And let me explain this a little bit. And I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers. I've been guilty of, th of this myself in the past. And I'm not saying there's not a time for it. But I couldn't think of a better example than Christmas time. Remember what I said. As, as a church body, we should, we should major in, in the positive things and not the negative things. We, we should be careful that we, don't, that, we're not, uh, that we don't get caught up in criticizing the world's way or society's way. And for, for an example, like at Christmas time, like I said, I've done this myself, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but it's easy to talk about the, it's easy to talk about the Christmas trees and the way the, world, the way the world spends so much money on Christmas, and we could go on and on and on. You could, have, you could spend hours talking about the, way, the wrong way that society celebrates Christmas. But I think we're better off, much better off, uh, spending our time uh, being amazed by what Jesus did for us and talking about the positive and, and, and uh, promoting that and allowing, uh, allowing everybody to figure it out for themselves. Because if, I, want you to th I want you to think of it this way. If, uh, if you talk to a salesman or a salesperson and you're interested in buying some product and, and they're supposed to describe their product to you and all they do is talk negatively about other people's things, and I've had this happen to me already, they say, well, this brand does this, and that's that. just junk. You don't want that. You certainly wouldn't buy this. You wouldn't buy that. It's like, well, I, I just want you to tell me how good yours is. And so my point is the, 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 Bible, the Christian life is, is the best thing that, that anyone has to offer. And the birth and the, the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection is, is amazing. And the, what society has in no way compares with the gospel. No way. Doesn't even come close. So let's talk about it. Let's, let's, uh, let's promote this glorious gospel uh, that we have. And let's seize on the glorious opportunities that, that we have set before us. Just to, to cap what I said tonight. The biggest challenge, challenges that we face in seizing this glorious opportunity that has been set before us, we need to have a vision. We need to have a vision. And the opportunity is that we ourselves are found faithful and that we invite others into the kingdom. And the challenges that we face are maintaining our relationship with the Lord, to be a person of the word, to be unified with one another, to love one another, to be joyful, and to allow the glory of God to shine through us. I'm finished. What are some of the challenges that you thought of that I didn't think of, that you face as a conservative Mennonite?